0: I'm here with Diego Veronelli. Diego, thank you very much for joining us. Um, You're currently the coach of Heather Watson on the WTA tour, but you've got a lot of experience on the ATP tour, both as a coach and a player. As a player, you've had some really good wins, haven't you? Over the likes of Nikolai Davidenko, Fernando Vadasco, Stan Wawrinka and David Ferrer. How does coaching and playing compare?
1: Um, Well, it's it is very different. I do apply some of the concepts that I, that I used to apply when I was uh, a player, but uh, basically when you coach, you're going for someone else's dream. Uh, when you play, it's, it's your own. Uh, and, and From that side, from that perspective, um, it is different, although um, I do feel the adrenaline of competing, so it, it's, it is nice, but it's different.
0: Is that something you miss, having played? and then stopped. It's that adrenaline part that a lot of players, I think, really miss. They don't miss all the waiting, but just the nervousness and, and getting ready for matches. And you have that now being a coach.
1: Well, that's basically it. You know, what, what you miss from tennis is definitely not practicing every single day or, you know, or hitting the ball because you can do that every day if you want to, but it's the adrenaline and, and those nerves and, and feeling that you, you have a purpose. Uh, that that's what you miss the most, and, and that's why a lot of people uh, they struggle, you know, when they stop playing. If you, if you don't have like solid grounds, then you can struggle and you know, not knowing what to do after. It's very important to be prepared for that.
0: Did you have good coaches when you were playing?
1: Yes, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Um, I always had the mindset of investing uh, in what I thought at that time was the right coach for me. Um, even when I. Um, I had to invest money that I didn't have to. I even you know, borrowed money from, I would say, my dad or friends because I, I believed um, that a coach could you know, bring me to the next level. So I always believed uh, that a coach could make a, a, an impact and a difference in my career.
0: We see now on tour that players not only have a coach, they have a physio. Sometimes they travel with a mental coach as well. It's a very expensive job, isn't it, to be a professional tennis player?
1: it is and actually that's why everybody talks about um, being top hundred because that's when when you when you break even you know you know money wise talking um, it is very expensive uh, although within the years uh, players are getting paid more at the lower level um, when you in grand, grand slam qualifying uh, you know they're getting paid more so now at least you can I would say make uh, break even before the top hundred and not lose that much money. But if you want to have a a, a full team with a coach and a fitness trainer, uh, I would say mental coach and all that, it it takes a lot of investment. Uh, And it's yeah, you have to first invest before you know getting uh, starting to see some rewards.
0: You said you had to borrow money. Did you have to pay it back in the end, especially to dad? (laughs)
1: not really no and and that's why uh, that's when I'm I'm very grateful for all my what my parents did for me Um, at one point my dad sold his car to to help me out because he really believed in me and that that is uh, that it that's a lot to be honest and now I'm a a father and there's nothing I wouldn't do for my for my son or my daughter but, yeah, it's, uh, that's how it is. I didn't pay that money back, but, I, of course, I, he didn't need it. Uh, when, when I stopped playing, he was already <laughs> in, in good form, I would say.
0: You didn't buy him a new calf?
1: No, but I took him yeah. on, on, on trips. You know, I, I invited him uh, to some tournaments that he always dreamed to, to come, like the U.S. Open um, or to some tournaments in Brazil that he loved it. And, and he was a very uh, a tennis groupie. He was a huge tennis fan, so he would enjoy, he would watch every match. So I have, I have good memories I have, uh, from, from that, uh, uh, that stage.
0: We hear about tennis crazy parents a lot, and there are some, but you do need a driving force behind you, don't you, as a player? You need a parent who really believes in you and pushes you just a little bit more.
1: That's a very good subject you brought up. Um, crazy parents, yeah, that's... Um, Brutal, a little bit brutal, you know, but it's uh, it's not completely wrong You have to be a little bit crazy to to be in tennis Uh, To give to give up uh, a lot of things um, and and give up uh, normality and what a normal uh, development and, and And a normal life is you have to get away from that and And I think you need that force or somebody pushing you every day uh, or somebody taking you to to do what it takes uh, since uh, bringing, bringing you to, to practice and then picking you up or paying for that, it takes a lot mm. um, because I think if you would give the option to any child if, on, on what they want to do if they want to go and play tennis for two hours and then go and do fitness for another two or three or stay on the couch and watch TV. I think they will they will pick stay in the couch. That's why you need somebody to mm. to you know be the the drive force like you said and push you and, and or inspire you for for those days that you really <laughs> don't want to do it. You just yeah, it's a different way of uh, of enjoying what what normally people uh, understands uh, about joy is not what we understand about joy our our joy is to to win a match and before that joy we we have to like fight and and sweat uh, I would say blood and tears but uh, that's too extreme (laughs) but it it is part of of, Mm. you know our life
0: and now of course you coach adults but they still need some pushing don't they it's it's a tricky situation because obviously you're an employee but you've also got to be the driving force behind these
1: professionals you're the boss of your boss basically that's why that that makes it a very challenging working relationship um but also you have to have the determination and uh, and be firm sometimes you know and and say things that they don't want to hear but that that's part of of our world and it's just what what we see
0: You've coached um, the likes of Gio Lepenti and Yao Sousa, who reached the top 100 under your guidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was uh, coaching Yao like? Did you enjoy it?
1: I enjoyed it. We became uh, very good friends. We used to play each other before. Um, and I think I earned his respect because I beat him every time. And so he was the first uh, player I got when I, when I, started, when I retired. I started with him, and we became, in the first tournament, he won the tournament. Uh, It was a 100,000 challenger, and he won it, and ever since, I mean, the relationship took off. Mm -hmm. We started well, and we ended up well after two years. I think it was two and a half years that we, we did together, and it was great. I have great memories. We're still in touch. I think he's a father now. He lives in Brazil, and... I have the best memories uh, yeah we did good together
0: it's funny how that works isn't it when you go as a combination and suddenly there's immediate success why is that
1: it's, it's good um, I, will, I would say there was a good chemistry mm. but since I believe in work work and, and I believe in the process and, and making changes and impact doesn't happen so quickly then I would say that first tournament I, I shouldn't take the credit for it because uh, I do believe in work and I believe in, 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 in a good process and I know to make an impact in a player or to change um, or to make adjustments that doesn't happen very quickly you need you need time, time on court uh, a lot of repetitions and so I wouldn't take the credit for it but I would I would count that a very important factor is when you have good chemistry with the people helping you and we call it the honeymoon stage, uh, the first few weeks or months where the player is very receptive of what you say. So it's very good to have a, a clear idea on what you want before you start with the player because at the beginning he will be very uh, absorbent of that. So he will absorb, I would say, 100% of the things you tell him. Uh, so you better know uh, how to start a, a relationship.
0: And then when you go through the years, how do you keep it fresh and keep the ideas coming so that he's not just listening to the same monotonous voice?
1: Um, you've got to lead by example. Um, and also you've got to be creative because you, do, it's, you find yourself very often telling the same things over and over. And normally that comes because the player makes the same mistake over and over. As I said, it's not very easy to change things or to, to change certain patterns or habits. So you will find yourself saying the same things. Mm. And I am creative. Sometimes I get other people to tell him what I want him to, to know. Uh, and then he comes to me and says, like, oh, look what he, this guy told me. He's like, oh, that's brilliant. Let's do it. Let's try that. <laughs> so you, stuff like that. Yeah. And or, you know, come up with different drills, but the goal will be the same.
0: To come up with different drills, do you watch a lot of television? Do you in sort of invest in your own self and, and maybe speak to other coaches to get other ideas?
1: Yes, I, I, watch, I watch YouTube. I speak to other coaches. Um, I'm very open, mm. very open-minded. Um, I can learn from everybody. Uh, yeah and i and i think that's very that that's very me that i i don't think i own the truth so that that always keeps me open to learn new things but i there's a lot of information out there uh, so at some point you you're going to have to filter that cuz not every not everything you see is good or not everything you a uh, good thing you see will help your player either but yeah i think having a good idea on what you want to improve and 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 how to do it it's, it's the key of having success with the player because you don't have a lot of time in high performance. If you lose uh, four or five first rounds, then you're probably out of the job.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Do you have a mentor? A lot of players have mentors when they're growing up, a lot of coaches as well, to get to the, the top level. Do you have a mentor that you speak to, someone you really uh, uh, enjoy their work and know that they have some good advice for you?
1: I have a few, and one of them is... Uh, Louis Cayet, uh, to me, he's the best coach in the world. Not many people speaks about him. I don't think they don't know him enough because he he deserves all the recognition uh, somebody can get. I don't. I, I've never met anybody that has so much tennis tennis knowledge than him. No one, and he knows about everything. I don't know why they put him like a, as a doubles uh, coach. He knows way more than me about coaching, about uh, technique. And, and I know, and I, I know, I mean, I've been in this business for pretty much my whole life, 30 years, and I learn and I, I study neuroscience and, and that, but the, that guy is another level. He will be my mentor.
0: What makes him so brilliant? What is it about his mind that is able to make those adjustments and see things that the rest of us don't see?
1: Because he knows before you come to any conclusion, he already knows. And he has an answer for every question. Um, and he has one, two, three or five different solutions to one problem. That's why, for me, he's the best. And I know, I mean, I've I've asked uh, myself that question. Why why is he so good? And and when he has free time, you're going to find him reading. He's still, like, moving forward. That's why he's always going to be the best.
0: And, of course, you have the benefit of w- of knowing him because you work in Britain now with Heather. Yes. And he's associated with the LTA. And it's some, one of those sliding doors moments, I suppose, that you get to meet these amazing people just by uh, luck and opportunity. Is that, is that fair to say, that if you weren't living in Britain or working with a British player, you might never have met Louis Kaya?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not... Uh, <laughs> I say this in, a, in the best possible way, he's not very friendly, <laughs> but I love him, uh, but it's, yeah, it's, he won't come to you or won't uh, be super social, he will talk to you if he knows you. Um, I, I, I need to clarify this again, I love Louis and we like each other a lot, but yeah, if I wouldn't be uh, working uh, with a British player, I probably would never had the chance.
0: Um, So that brings me on to your background because you're from Argentina originally. When did you, or how long did you stay in Argentina before you moved away?
1: I know I still live in Argentina and that's one of the reasons why I don't um, work full-time with Heather. I'm just doing weeks now because because I have a family there. Mm. Um, But the the way uh, I started working with Heather is when I was living uh, in Bradenton. Uh, I lived there two years, so that's when we... We used to do full time, 2013 until uh, 2016. I, was, I, I moved to the States. I think it was a great uh, experience. Then it was probably too hard for my family, you know, because I was traveling, I was away too much. Then I moved there, I moved them back to Argentina and kept traveling, just less.
0: How would you account for such amazing male tennis players, particularly coming out of Argentina? Of course, we've had lots of female players, but particularly nowadays uh, with Juan Martín del Pocho and Diego Schwartzman <coughs> and Sebastián Baez. It just seems like a conveyor belt of amazing talent.
1: Yeah. Um, again, this is a question that a uh, million dollar question, right? Because if everybody would know the recipe, everybody would do it. But we have some theories about it and I think it has to do with the fact that everybody um, develops um, in a very difficult economic environment, and that so that just to start makes everybody, I would say tougher than more the, hungry. hungry, hungrier than the rest. And the, wh- what I like about uh, Argentinians in general is that they have a very good work ethic everybody knows how to train before they know how to play. That's the first thing they teach. Before you learn how to play the game, you've got to learn how to how to practice, how to train. Okay. Go uh, into
0: that a little bit more. So yeah. is that um, a coach ethic and just a an, um, work ethic that you are pushed a little bit more than the rest of Europe and the rest of the world?
1: Yeah, but like simple stuff. Uh, uh, again, I'm not saying this is better or worse than, you know, in other countries because... Uh, I mean, South America, we struggle in hard courts, you know, in fast surface. But the training methodology, I would say, is pretty good. I mean, it's like simple stuff, like uh, you start warming up and you just use one ball. And if you miss it, then you have to go and, and pick it up yourself. Uh, and then that's from the very beginning of the practice. You, you're already aware of not missing. And, and, yeah, warm up with just one ball and just be accountable and... Like every ball counts in practice, and we, we are taught that way from, from very young stages. Um, again, is that good for being an aggressive player if you want to play on surface? Probably not. Probably it gives you a defensive mindset. But I, I would like to point out or highlight, no, we, we make every day count. That's, that's our big, biggest, I would say, mindset or your, our biggest strength.
0: And do you think the likes of Del and Diego Schwartzman have sort of become those idols that young boys want to emulate?
1: Absolutely. Not only uh, to have them uh, or see them on TV. The good thing in Argentina is uh, you live with them, you play with them, you grow with them. You can see them practicing, so they, you, you know what they do, how much they practice, what they eat, what, do, what they do in the gym. That's, that's why uh, a lot of players are, uh, keep, keep coming and they will keep coming. I mean, there's so much talent, uh, but they, it's like we have a path and everybody will follow that path because once, uh, now all Delpo is gone. But you have Schwarzman and, and, and then you will have Baez. You know, and you have Serundolo, And I don't know how many kids are, are, are coming. I don't want to, you know, keep naming guys, but there are a lot.
0: Just keep going. And, of course, uh, Baez and Schwarzman are amongst the smaller players on the ATP Tour. And you mentioned it, how hard uh, the boys and girls work when they're younger. Is that the reason for Diego and Sebastian's success, would you say?
1: You mean when when they were young?
0: Mm, The fact that they're small in stature, but big in heart, and they're able to cope with the Giants on the ATP Tour these days.
1: What I would say is that basically they believed, because they had the chance to practice with all the other guys that were bigger and they used to beat them in practice so once you believe is you know you can do it too it's contagious and then size becomes something uh, secondary you know you know you can do it and you just gotta go to tournaments and, and and repeat it and, and and do it under under pressure and these guys are very good under pressure because they used to struggle to I wouldn't say to eat but yeah to to make it to, to, to pay a, a coach. So once they have the opportunity, they, they're not going to let it slip.
0: So it comes back to the hunger factor and the motivating factor that sometimes they're providing for their families.
1: Well, they live for tennis. I mean, if, if you want to know what it takes to be a professional tennis player, you've got to look at Diego Schwarzman. The guy wouldn't eat anything that is going to be counterproductive for him. That's how he thinks. But not just now that he's making good money that was before i mean now it's even more now it's, it's getting obsessed but it's obsession in a good way
0: and it's about the fine margins isn't it
1: well at that top level he knows he needs his uh, fitness to win matches he understands that so he's not going to do anything that hurts him
0: and does that come back again to the mentality of just wanting it a little bit more than everybody else
1: well um, i'm gonna I'm going to ask you to go and watch uh, Sebastian Baez. because Schwartzman is already there. He's been top 10, you, you know. You know he wants it. But try go and watch Sebastian Baez. look when he plays a tennis match. That face makes me realize it's like, "Oh my god, he's really into it." And he you won't see him like crazy yelling. He won't you won't see him um get pissed at at himself or maybe he does but he hides it and because that guy he did struggle to make it to the uh, end of the month I would say that's you know his background so can you imagine how how much he's gonna run he's gonna run uh, when he goes to a tennis match so yeah it goes back to that it's every single time goes back to that because once you have the will then the rest will come eventually.
0: Just tremendous. Was it the same for Juan Martin Del Pocho, who of course has now retired, but was such a, an icon, wasn't he, in Argentina?
1: An icon, and also came from the city that created all the icons, which is Tandil.
0: Mm-hmm. The Tower of Tandil.
1: Yeah, the Tower of Tandil. In Tandil, he was coached and formed, shaped, developed by Marcelo Gomez, who was a student from Raúl Pérez Roldán, Raúl Pérez Roldán coach, Horacio de la Peña, mm-hmm. Franco Davín, Guillermo Pérez Roldán. Franco Davín was probably, if it's not the best, the second best coach in the world after Lucaia. Yeah. Uh, he's top five for sure. He won Grand Slam with Gaudio, he coached Coria, Grand Slam with uh, Juan Martin. He's, he comes from that school, from that city, from Tandil. De la Peña, uh, great coach. Guillermo Perroldan, amazing coach. And the players, Monaco, Savaleta, Junqueira, Maxi Gonzalez, all from Tandil, from a, from a city that is like, uh, has 80,000 people living. It's, yeah, it's crazy, but it's, and, and Delpo came out of that school. There's uh, a
0: story similar to that in table tennis with, a, actually, he's become a journalist, uh, Matthew Syed, and he actually had a teacher who was a table tennis teacher. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened on the streets that the table tennis teacher lived on were three boys that all became representatives for Great Britain. And it just so happened for their good fortune that they met this one coach. And it sounds like the same in deal.
1: It could be. And, and this guy had um, a reputation of being like really tough, you know, mm. almost military. Uh, but I would say he's one of the of the main creators of the Argentinian army. Uh, I know this is not a, a, the war, you know, especially now, you know, bringing up that subject, but um, I would say he's one of the main persons that uh, he could take credit for all the success of Argentinian tennis right now, because before, of course, there was Villas, there was Clerc, and there were other players and great coaches um, but the pattern there is that everybody works hard
0: and you said about being military but also he has the finesse and the vision to see the way that players should play yes because everyone in Argentina seems to have a slightly different game they yeah. don't all just play the same way
1: well everybody's different right um, but when it comes to the training values um, it's pretty much the same right mm. like Make every ball count, work hard, be professional, you got to want it, otherwise stay home, stay on the couch. Um, so those things has to be there, they have to be there. And, and then, yeah, the playing style or your tennis DNA, I think you don't really know that until you are older, 15, 17. I mean, you can, you, can try, you can love to hit hard, but if you don't make a single ball, then what's the point? Yeah, but it's my DNA. Yeah, but you don't win. Maybe try something different. And then that's also uh, the art of mm-hmm. coaching, right? To identify what your player needs or what's the path or um, what kind of uh, strategy they should use on the court. Yeah, I wouldn't say everybody has it. There are good coaches and average coaches you know, everywhere in Argentina too. But, uh, like, why there's so many in Argentina? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a question that I, I get asked uh, very often.
0: And Juan Martín del Pocho, of course, won a, a major title, the US Open, but he would have surely won more, wouldn't he, had he not had all those injuries?
1: Well, we'll never, we'll never find out. Um, about that, I'm going to say something that once Carlos Moya told me. There was a rain delay in, in Wimby. This was like three, four years ago. And I think it was brilliant and for me to hearing that from him it was uh, you know eye-opener because he told me i told him the same like you you could have won so many grand slams carlos but you just couldn't take it take tennis that serious right like Mm -hmm. you 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 liked enjoying and you know what i mean by enjoying he loved to you know sometimes here and there go out whatever and he told me he's like no you're wrong tennis doesn't owe me anything I couldn't do it it's not that I didn't want to do it and what I did, what I accomplished is what I accomplished because if I I had a great serve and a great forehand and whatever but if you don't have the mentality to be there every single day every single week, week after week year after year then you're going to have my career I was number one for six weeks and that's it and I'm like, yeah, you're actually right. I mean, yeah, could have, should have, it doesn't really exist. We are our best version, mm. whether you like it or not. Nobody's trying to, to hurt themselves, right? Or to sabotage. I mean, some, some people do, but yeah. But
0: Carlos Moya wasn't one of them.
1: Well, I mean, but he made me think he's actually right. And the fact that he told me no tennis doesn 't owe me anything uh, to me it was brilliant uh, and the the way he worded it it, it, it changed my mind because it's like and it changed my mind towards me because I kept punishing me for not accomplishing this this, or that or you know breaking the top hundred or whatever it's like yeah actually i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't stay um, in a trip for m- I don't know two months when I, all, all my other Argentinian mates, they were, when they were struggling, they would stay, and I was like I would call my dad and say, "You know what? I'm struggling here, I want to go back home and, and you know recharge, and it sounds right." And my dad would say, "Yeah, yeah, come over, come over, get a good training." And maybe the right thing to do was it was staying, to stay there and keep fighting, keep training. I don't know, just, just to name one example of you know how or why I didn't make it further. But we'll never know.
0: What a great way to end. Diego Veronelli. <laughs> it's been so interesting talking yeah, to you. Thank I you so I much. Know, of
1: course, anytime. My pleasure.